0: This is the podcast "Going Beyond Salvation," and I'm your host, Jess Robinson. And we're this is a Psalms and Proverbs uh, podcast, and we're gonna essentially just talk about and go over one of the Psalms, Psalm 88. Uh, I just challenge for people to go ahead and start reading Psalm 89, and we'll kind of get into that one in the next podcast. In in the next few podcasts, uh, Psalm eighty eight is kind of a depressing psalm. You know, it's it's one of the saddest of all the psalms that you see in the uh, Bible. And we see that this person, you know, the the subject is that we've seen they suffered much, and some have thought that this is a leper and but you know we we don't know who really it is but we know that they're they're suffering and they've suffered much they feel that they are nearing death and that god has rejected them they have cried out day and night to god and it and it appears to have received no answer you know they're dejected and they have little hope yet in faith they will not let go of god you know they continue to confessing that the Lord is still the God who saves them. You know, we're going to see that with, you know, in the book of Daniel. It's not a sad situation, but we see his friends, you know, when they're told to bow down to an idol, they say no. They'd rather go in the fire and they say, you know, our God can save us, but even if he doesn't save us in the fire, we're not going to bow down to you. And so... He this person continually confesses that the Lord is still the God who saves them, and you know this psalmist experience is much like that of Job that we will be reading in the future. And however, in the book of Job, we find out why you know we we have the behind the scenes scoop of why Job was suffering. Where the psalmist, we don't. We don't know why they're suffering. And we can see with this psalm, it reveals that, you know, we occasionally, we're going to go through times in sadness and despair, you know, and it's not that, it's not God who causes it. You know, only good things come from God. And like I tell people, we still, live in a fallen world you know we live with you know tragedy as we see today there's you know so much hecticness and it's sad just to see such hatred such anger especially in the protests that are going on right now there's such hatred and anger and it's just so sad to see things like that. And it's not that God is causing these things. We live in a fallen world where there's sin and the enemy is just rampant, you know. And and I just say we have to deal with what's going on in our heart, you know. There's And just praying that people will find healing, praying that people will find peace you know in these times that they would find healing for and and instead of anger that there would be joy oh you know in a believer's life as well you know sadly you know i know i have friends that have dealt with you know their their children dying you know at at a very young age and and they're going what's going on you know and they they have to go through this grieving prof- process you know i have friends who have gone through miscarriages i've had friends that have gone through cancer and they still cling onto their faith that god is good even though you know they're they're dealing with sorrow and suffering during this time and you know it's a dark experience You know, and sometimes there's just no apparent reason for our problems. And it may seem like God is far away. You know, it just seems, you know, and there's, I've known people and I've gone through times myself where it's just times of discouragement. And you feel like you can't hear God. You're wondering what is going on. But just know that God is there. He is there. He is with us through everything. And you know, even when it and when tragedy strikes, you know, he he understands our broken hearts. You know, he weeps with us in our tragedies. You know, I think he looks upon these riots that are going on and I believe his heart is torn. You know, he doesn't want to see this violence. He doesn't want to see you know, the anger and, and people go, well, why doesn't he stop it? Because we still deal with free will. He wants people to come to him and bow down to him, you know, and he wants to bring that healing, but you have to come to him first, you know, and he's, you know, my prayer is that, you know, in these times of riots, that there are going to be people that, you know, are called by God that are going to go out there and we're going to see people that are going to be healed. Their hearts are going to be healed. There's going to be a lot of forgiveness and and that there's just going to be such a move of God in these times, you know. And in, in even these times of suffering, you know, the major mystery is going to remain until we are with God in heaven. There's so many people that want to wonder why did God... You know, especially when it comes to like an infant child that dies. You know, many parents go, well, why did God decide, you know, to take away my child? Well, you know, and it's sad and it's hard, you know, and and I have friends who have said, you know, I don't know why, but I'm going to trust that God is going to reveal that one day. And... And that will happen when we're in heaven we'll we'll find out, you know, we're gonna know everything. You know, and we're actually gonna know of the times that he did protect us. We're gonna know of the times that he was you know, how he moved in such a way. So you know, that's the greatest thing about heaven. And the thing about heaven is there's gonna be joy, there's not gonna be suffering. And, you know, and I know my friends that, you know, especially those who have lost children, they go, they actually look forward to, to heaven at some point because they know, oh, my child is there. My child is there and I get to see them one day. And, which is true, their child is going to be there to, to greet them when they come into heaven. And it's, it's sad because no parent should have to grieve for, for their child. You know, and I've I've seen many friends of mine that have had kids, they've lost their children at such a young age and and it's hard because it's not you know, and I and I've talked a lot with a lot of my friends and they say the hardest thing, the reason why it's such a hard thing to grieve, it's because there's the little moments, you know, that such as their first time walking, their first time talking, losing their first tooth. They would have been in kindergarten at this point. That is what is hard because it continually comes up that this would have been going on at this point. So in the meantime, you know, both faith in God as the one who save us, saves us in a right relationship with him are essential to get us through and we must not forget that in the final analysis, neither death nor life, neither present nor the future, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And as I've said, there, you know, in your times of discouragement, when you feel like, or even if you're, you're going through a thing like cancer, or you know, you've lost the, a loved one, in, or even a friend tragically god is there and he you know he understands your hurt he understands the pain that you're going through and and that's the great thing you know most other people that are in different religions they feel so separated they feel so scared thinking that you know they're suffering because their god is an angry god and But our God, who is the one true God, there's no other God, He's not an angry God. And when you're suffering, He relates because, you know, He went through suffering as well. And that's just the greatest thing that you can cling on to is knowing that He's there. He sympathizes with you. His love is going to be there. Even if you don't... You know, you feel far away. He's there. Like there's this song that, you know, is from Bethel. And it says, "Come." you know, it's called, Come to Me. And it's as if God is, you know, talking. And He's saying, you know, even though you feel far away, I am closer than your breath. And that's so true, is He's right there with us. And we can always cling on to that. So that was what I wanted to talk about in with Psalm 88. And, you know, that's, you know, just cling on to God. If you're feeling discouraged, if you're going through a rough time, just cling on to him. Get into the word, you know, get into other Psalms that are not as depressing, you know, turn on worship music. It, it really helps because when you're just sitting there and letting the silence overtake you, that is how the enemy gets in and makes you even doubt even more. When you feel like he's not there, just get into the word, get into praying, turn on the worship music and and just find things that encourage you during this time. There's so many verses of encouragement in this in this Bible and you'll never run out. Like I I I totally believe there's more verses of encouragement that last through the even beyond the the whole year if you would pick one every single day. And so we're going to take a quick break and we're going to go into Proverbs. We're starting off in Proverbs 19, and we had ended on verse 12. Uh, In the reading, we're starting on verse 13. And it says, A foolish son is his father's ruin, and a quarrelsome wife is like a constant dripping. Houses and wealth are inherited from parents, but a prudent wife is from the Lord. I want to really focus on, you know... One on legacy, you know, a foolish son is his father's ruin. you know. How do you want to be remembered, essentially, in your life? You know, it's... Today, you know, we talk about legacy. We see celebrities who die, and and their kind of, their legacy is kind of spelled out in these articles of what they did, the scandals they were in and, and all of that. And it's, you know, how do you want to be remembered, you know, and I want to, I just want to be honest, you know, for me, I want to be remembered for, you know, what I did for the Lord. And I want people to remember, you know, how the Lord was such a testimony in my life, in his love his grace with the cross how the cross worked in my life that's what i want to do and i want to finish the race strong you know and where you know where my past is is just totally erased it's done so you know and then secondly you know i i wanted to jump into this whole thing about the quarrelsome wife and an, a prudent wife You know, a, you know, wives, it's so easy today, you know, we see in entertainment, you know, wives, you know, you're being portrayed as nagging and and this and that. And, you know, there's certain things as being a wife, it's, it's about being, and even a prudent wife, being you know, Christ like every day. And you know, I was reading the other day about overlooking, you know, not just looking at my husband's mistakes all the time, but finding times just to say, you know what? He does this. You know, he does this for for our house. And he always does this and he always opens up the door for me. You know, just finding little things to be thankful for about your husband because you know I was uh, one of the greatest uh, marriage devotions I love too is it's called the love dare and it's done by the Kendrick but- brothers who do the films they did the films this one was based off of the film from uh, fireproof which was about marriage you know they they've done the war room and overcomer and What I liked on one of the devotions was talk about there's these two rooms and one of the rooms is that you mainly sit in when you're first with this person is you just see all the good qualities of them, what makes them, makes you happy and just different things like the best things that they've done. And then there's another room where you look and you see their mistakes, the things that agitate you, you know, even their sins. And we tend to sit in the room as a spouse. We tend to sit in the room where where we we become ungrateful for our spouse. We start loathing you know being with them, and you know, I just love the the exercise that you know, and the challenge was to get out of that room to get out of the room, yes, acknowledge. That this person does have, you know, they're not perfect. and But it's about taking their imperfections and just giving it to God. You know, and I know I know, people go, well, then you're saying, you know, like with abusive marriages where, especially physical abuse, they're supposed to overlook that. No, I'm not saying that. If you are in a physically violent abusive marriage you need and your life is at stake you know i just challenge you one you need to go pray and get guidance from the lord and if your life is in danger or there's kids involved and their lives are in danger you need to get out of there because that person has a lot they have to give over to the Lord, and the Lord is going to have to change that person. And, and that's where, you know, I, I don't condone domestic violence. I don't condone people staying in violent relationships. They need to get out of it as soon as possible, get separated, and and pray to God, and, and give them over to, the, to God. And, you know, I believe that God can reach people that way, you know, in that time where they're not there, God can reach them in that quietness and they will realize, I need Jesus, but, you know, focus on your safety, but what I'm saying, what I'm saying is, you know, if you're not in in danger or anything like that, it's giving them over and learning to be Christ-like in those situations. Uh, especially in the things that you argue about. You know, I, it's learning to say, you know what? And and giving in And and just kind of stepping back. And that person's going to realize, huh, why are they doing that? Why are they, you know, and it's just little things like that. And I believe as a wife... And I used to, you know, be very quarrelsome with my husband and it was like, you know, I've had to step back and go, okay, you know, learning and God will keep me in check. There's been times where I've like thrown up the wall and I'm like, no, and it's just a flat out no being quarrelsome. And then I'll have my alone time with God and he will be like, hey, you know, he will check my heart on that and say, no, and I will end up, you know, going to my spouse later and just saying, you know, I'm sorry, you know, it. the Lord has really checked my heart on this and he will, he's, and I, and I love my husband because he's very forgiving and that's a huge part, you know, and being a prudent wife, you know, you, today it's so, we're sitting here and, you know, these, People, especially entertainment, says, you know, a wife is supposed to like, you're supposed to go for looks. Yeah, you should be attracted to the person that you're getting with, but you should also look at their heart. You know, if they're, especially if they're following the Lord, they're in their Bible, you know, and they have such a relationship with God. Go after that. You know, you want a Christ-like marriage. You know, and there's a thing about marriage that is so it just gives such a testimony about God. And if you don't start off on the right foot with, you know, where you don't have God in your life, and now, and I'm not saying that you know couples can't make it if they don't have God in their life. It's going to be hard, you know, and you're, but. You know, and and you're going to be easily led astray by the, you know, by the world. But I'm saying, and you know, and my parents didn't have God in their life. And their relationship has really kindled since they started having God in their life. And they, they said, you know, we should have had God in our life from the beginning, you know, and they're, they're stronger than ever. And I've seen other couples that way, where God has come into their life, their marriage is strengthened and and that's just something that we really need to focus on is having a christ like marriage and you know, and I know people that you know they're going after God, but their spouse isn't and it's hard, and the enemy really attacks the spouses that you know they're they're going after god and he really puts a lot of discouragement, and they feel like giving up. They feel like giving up on their marriage. They're looking at all these negative things about their spouse. And I just help you know, spouses like that. I go, hey, you know, God kept pursuing us even though we were not following him. I mean, we, we were still sinning, and Christ died for us. And that's how it is is we have to keep pursuing keep pursuing keep that christ-like love towards them keep praying for them battling for them in prayer every single day god is working in behind the scenes even if you don't see it he's working behind the scenes and he is faithful and he's going he's he's reaching out to your spouse even though you may not see it. So that was what I wanted to point out in in the first few verses of chapter 19. Or midnight chapter 19 actually. I want to go into verse 17. It says, he who is kind to the poor lends to the Lord. And he will reward him for what he has done. And it really kind of just spoke to me this verse because you know over and over god is always reaching out to those who are poor who are widowed especially you know we see in the old testament because you know widows generally widows that were women had a hard time getting living daily because their breadwinner has gone it's just how it was in that time in society today It's still kind of the same, you know, and and it's not just women, but men as well. Being, you know, God has a heart for those who are less fortunate, you know, and and he wants us to have a heart that's about giving. And I think about today, you know, there's just so many, especially with COVID-19, there's so many people hurting and. You know, it's not hard. You know, you go on Facebook and you go to some of your Facebook groups and there's just people asking, going, I need help. You know, I've tried everything. And there were so many people that had no jobs during COVID-19 because of the shutdown. And there's still, you know, in, in some areas, there's still no jobs. There's people that are hurting, suffering, and all the resources are even tapped out, you know, here in Wyoming. There's several people, like several group, you know, groups and and you know foundations that we have. Their finances are tapped out because they had so many people hurting, you know. And then a couple weeks, of, you know, on the primary election day in in Wyoming, you know, our church was giving out you know free boxes of food and there's just such a long line of people who needed that you know, and it, it's still happening there's people going, I'm trying, I'm doing what I can I'm trying to get help and, and, and there's some people that just complain going, well when do we stop, you know, giving handouts you know, my thing is is we need to be Christ-like, and yes, if people are taking advantage of it, yeah, you need to cut them off. But having a Christ-likeness for those who are struggling, and so you know, I just challenge you know, look at look for the needs in your community right now. See how your church can help people that are really struggling during this time. This is the time for the church to shine, to reach out for to the people that are struggling who need that, you know, to reach out to those who are hurting. So that really just stuck stuck out in my heart today. And then, you know, jumping into verse 18, Discipline your son, for in that there is hope. Do not be a willing party to his death. And people go, you know, it's like, oh, this is saying, you know, to spank your child. It's not saying to spank your child. It's to discipline your child. And I'm not against spanking, you know, I was spanked as a child and I turned out just fine and, you know, but it wasn't like capital punishment spanking. It was, it got my attention of, and of no, don't do that. But my parents also said, no, this is what you should be doing. Don't do this. Instead, do this. Don't take, you know. Take your toy away from your sibling like that, instead share or or find another toy that was how it was, you know in my family and and all of that and and for some kids, though, spanking doesn't work. you know, I do have friends who are parents, they've tried spanking a child their child, and the child just sits there and laughs, and they have sadly it's like. That is just weird, but they have to find a different way of correcting their child. Some it's time out, some of it's a refocus time, whatever it is, you need to be disciplining your child, showing them, you know, you're wrong in this, but it's also showing them the, and there's a way to disciplining, you know, and I, you know, I'm not a parent, but You know, I've seen parents, how they work. And, you know, even in my own family, it was my parents never disciplined out of anger or frustration. They disciplined me and then, you know, showed me the right way. But they also afterwards showed that they loved me and that they just wanted the best for me. And. So I was never scared of my parents so that, you know, as I got older, it was like, no, I don't need to be doing that because, you know, I don't want to hurt my mom and dad. They want to see the best for me. That's just how it should be, you know. And so, you know, I don't criticize parents and I know it's sometimes hard because, you know, you know, for a par- some parents, especially moms and, and single mothers, single dads, sometimes it gets hard because they're they're tired, they're you know exhausted. And, you know, and that's why you know, as a body of Christ, we should be there to help raise the child and raise these kids, and and giving parents a time to you know get away and and cool off, get refreshed and all of that. So so there's nothing wrong with disciplining a child and I believe that there there's a lack of it these days and there's a lot of kids that struggle. I I sit there and there's so many kids that have so much behavioral issues more than when I was going through school, you know, there was maybe, you know, one or two kids in my class as I was growing up that had issues and you knew that their family life wasn't great. Now there was some, they had a great family life and it was just, you know, they, they needed extra help, extra attention, and they had to learn a different way. But you know, and there was nothing wrong with the parents. They were doing everything they could. And so, you know, I I just think, you know, discipline is a huge thing that in parenting and with families, especially in Christian households, Those were the verses in chapter nine. The rest of chapter nineteen, and we're kind of just jumping into chapter twenty. And I want to go into the first verse: "Wine is a mocker, and beer is a brawler. Whoever is led astray by them is not wise." And this verse is really warning about the inherent dangers often associated with drinking alcohol. Um, You know, the key phrase is, whoever is led astray by them is not wise. You know, here and elsewhere in the book of wisdom, you know, Proverbs warns about a variety of personal and social evil consequences associated with indulging in, in alcohol drinking. You know, it leads to a decreased capacity for self-control, a weakening of, you know, inhibitions, and a a disdaining of prudent behavior and righteous values. You know, it contributes to disturbances, conflicts, and violence in families and society. Um, It's also associated with inefficiency, poverty, and injustice. And, you know, as... And I'm going for my certificate and a part of being in the Assemblies of God is I don't drink alcohol. Now, I haven't drank alcohol in a very long time because um, I realized, you know, some of the times that I was wanting to drink alcohol was when I was stressed out. And I realized that's not good, you know, and I'm like, no, that's not good. And so, my husband and I, and even then, like, we really didn't do a lot of drinking. And, and it's because, you know, growing up, I had older siblings that struggled with drug and alcohol abuse. And seeing what that did to my family, the struggles that we had, I was not really into the idea of partying I wasn't into the idea of drinking alcohol and get you know to get drunk it made my 21st birthday really hard because um I actually and I was engaged to my husband on my 20 during my 21st birthday I actually had to hide with you know out with my fiancee you know who's my husband now at the time because that day and just turn off my cell phone because I had people, I had siblings that were looking for me going, Oh, we need to go get drunk. And I didn't want to do that. I was just like, no, you know, cause I'd seen what it done to them and, and what it still does to them to this day. And I'm just like, no, no, I don't want anything to do with that. Which that's why my husband loved me because he's like, you don't want to go party. You don't want to go get drunk. It just showed that he could, he could trust me. And even like with my bridal shower, I know like I, I ruined my bachelorette party because my friends wanted that. I I was like, and I knew and the Holy Spirit was keeping me in check during that time going, this is not a good idea um, they wanted me to get drunk, and I just sat there, I'm like, why, 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 you know, and it, it's hard, because it, it severed my relationship with my, my old friends, because they were going this way of, well, we're saved by grace, and so we can drink, and get drunk, and we'll be fine, we'll still go to heaven, and I'm like, being convicted by the Holy Spirit going, no, you, and at the time I was actually becoming a children's church teacher, and he was like, no, you are held to a different standard at this point, and I'm like, I didn't want anything to do with it, and so, it, it really affected that, and so, and I'm not, I don't judge people if they like having a glass of wine, or, I, you know, and I, I know people, they have a glass of wine and that's all they do, or they just have scotch and that's all they do. That I'm like, I'm not, that's between you and God. If God convicts you with that or not to do that, that that's you and him. But I know what it's like, you know, to see people who struggle with alcohol and what it does, you know, how it breaks families apart. You know, and I even, when we were in middle school, they brought a guy in who, you know, he'd been drinking several beers, decided he wanted to go see his girlfriend, and he got in, he blacked out. He doesn't remember, woke up with a handcuff and being handcuffed to a hospital bed, and he had killed somebody. He had killed, got into a wreck and killed the other person in the car And he was in prison for the rest of his life. Lost his girlfriend, lost everybody in his life because of the one decision that he made. And so, you know, alcohol, you know, if you're abusing alcohol. And the Lord starts convicting of you or convicting you of that. You need to... You know, seek help. Seek accountability. Don't do it on your own. Don't try to do it on your own. You know, get accountability. And, and get into the Word. And let God just take over and help you um, through this time. And I believe, and I honest believe, that leaders should not drink alcohol. Because it can affect their decisions. Actually, there is a town in Wyoming, I'm not gonna say, but their town council and their mayor is allowed to drink during their meetings. And yeah, their their town's kind of screwed up <laughs> because you know, it's a prime example, they can't make decisions when drinking. You know. When you think about today, you know, drinking of alcohol is a factor in more than 50% of all fatal car crashes, 75% of all crimes committed, and more than 30% of all murders. You know, it's, you know, it's a factor in sexual morality, pregnancy outside of marriage, and high divorce rates, you know. So, that's why I stay away from alcohol, you know, and... I don't miss it. I'm going to be honest. I don't miss it. It's kind of hard because a lot of people like to use alcohol for cooking. And it's very hard when I'm sitting here going, I don't feel like I should be able to cook with that. You know, it's it's very tough because... I have to sit there and if there's a recipe with beer in it, I ha- I pretty much can't use that recipe and it's sad And because a lot of recipes these days, they're putting a lot more beer, they're putting a lot more wine and I'm like, nope, I'm in a covenant with the Lord that I'm not going to do this. I am not going to do this. I'm a youth group leader. I'm held to a higher standard. I'm not going to do this and... It makes it hard, and some people actually vo- avoid me because I, I do say, well, I, I'm i abstaining from alcohol, and they feel awkward, but, you know, and I try to tell people going, you know, if you're going to have a beer, it's not going to bother me, just don't push it on me to do it, but, you know, I'm not pushing for you to not drink. If you want to have a beer or a glass of wine in front of me, that's fine, but, you know just don't push it on me to drink so and you know it's a lot better I have a lot more clarity of mind not having alcohol not having you know not relying on drugs it's actually I'm to the point I don't even I don't like taking ibuprofen unless I'm really hurting bad like if I've kinked my neck really bad and I need to sleep, then yes, I will take ibuprofen, but I just don't like how it makes me feel. And so, um, that's just kind of a huge thing that I wanted to point out is, you know, about alcohol. And finally, I just, um, For the final verse, it just talks about a man... It's a man's honor to avoid strife, but every fool is quick to quarrel. You know, learn to be peaceful. Be firm and speak the truth, you know, when when it needs to happen. But just don't be jumping into trying to start an argument. You know, and You know, a lot of people... And like we see it these days, there's so many people that are easily angered. They jump to the to the gun to fight and, you know, pick your battles, you know, let the Lord guide and direct you. And you can be wise and defend something and, and do it with tact and wisdom. I mean, and the Lord will guide you and direct you in that. Let the Holy Spirit be the one that takes over you when that needs to happen but just learn to not just jump to quarrel with everybody you know try to be a peaceful person you know and and speak the truth when the truth needs to be spoken you know speak the truth in love and be firm about it especially you know with people that God places in your life that are you've become really good friends and you see that they're on the you know, the highway to hell, God's going to open up those those doors for you to speak truth in their life. And, and you know, be a friend and speak the truth. Don't lead them down that path. Don't let them continue down that path. And so that's what I wanted to finish off with. And so for the next podcast that we do with Psalms and Proverbs, we're going to continue in, in chapter 20. Um... Going through, starting on verse 7 and going uh, through verse 27. And then with Psalms, we're going to discuss 89, uh, Psalm 90, Psalm 91, and Psalm 92. So stay tuned uh, for an Acts, for, the, for a Book of Acts uh, podcast.